Welcome to our service uh, this morning and uh, those online as well, you're very welcome to join us and I hope God richly blesses you. Uh, I have a couple of announcements here uh, with regards to the, the fishing trip, those that have put their names down for the fishing trip for Wednesday night. If we could have a wee meeting um, just after the service, just in the quiet room, um, just to have a wee chat about it and see if we can um, arrange with God somehow to intermittently get in between the lightning blasts. <laughs> but Ballycrockin Bible Club's taken place from the 31st of July to the 4th of August. There are some flyers at the back in the vestibule. Please take uh, some and invite friends and neighbours. Um, this is for children going into P1 and up to those to have, who have to just have just left, sorry, P7. So for children going into P1, up to those who have just left P7. Alpha, the Alpha course is gonna start on Wednesday, the 27th of September, God willing. If you'd like to be a team leader, uh, please contact myself. Uh, there'll be an Alpha training evening at the church on Thursday, the 27th of July at half past seven. Also in September, it gets very busy. In September, communicant classes will start on uh, Thursday the 14th of September at half past seven. If you'd like to become a new communicant or perhaps uh, sign up just as a refresher course to do the communion classes, uh, please sign your name at the back. It's in the vestibule, there's a sheet there and please put your telephone number beside it. Um, also mission visit to Rwanda in 2024. Um, anyone in the congregation who'd be interested in being part of a group making a mission visit to Rwanda in 2024 is invited to contact Tom Shaw, Brian Gartland, or George Crawford by the 23rd of July. And also there are some of these wee flyers out at the, in the vestibule as well. If you feel a wee bit, uh, it's too soon to give someone that you know that's interested in the church a big pack. These are little flyers that sort of press it down to what's going on in the church. And uh, so feel free to take a few and, and give them out to friends and, and neighbours. Um, I'd just like to start our service uh, reading a bit of Psalm 46, verse 1 and 2. Um, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. I wonder, has your week been like that? I wonder, we'll not fear, even though the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, there's earthquakes. I wonder, is that, is that, is that describing your last week? But if we look on down the passage, we see what God does in our lives, what, how powerful God is. And we're told then, be still and know that I am God. There may be chaos you feel going on in your life at the moment, but be still and know that I am God. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So maybe that's why God's brought you to church this morning, for that alone, that if you're going through a difficult time, I'm with you. I'm your fortress. I'm your rock. I'm your refuge. Let's pray. Father, we thank you 
that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord, our circumstances may change. We may get worrying test results from the hospital. We may feel ill. We may feel weak. We may feel overwhelmed. But God, you're the same. You're our rock. You're our refuge. You're our fortress. You're the one who we can run into and feel safe. Lord, great is your faithfulness. And Lord, we pray that today that everything that is said, everything that is sung, that everything is read and done might be done for the glory of your dear Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're going to stand, we're going to sing, What a Faithful God Have I. like to read, if you have a Bible with you, I can open up, but it's, it's only two verses. Uh, but if, so if you want to just listen, that's grand. Luke 9, verses 23 to 24. And Jesus speaking to his disciples, 
says, one of the most challenging things he ever says. He said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me, for my sake, will save it. I was reading during the week about a man who I'm sure if you're my age or over, you'll, you'll know about. A guy from Chariots of Fire. Anybody know who that is? Yeah, the, re- the, the runner, Eric Little. Okay, well, let me have a wee look here. Just, I was reading about him during the week and what an amazing character he was and talking about giving up your life for Christ. Now, he was born in 1902, but... Um, he, 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 he grew up, he was born in China, but grew up in Scotland, and uh, his parents were Scottish, and he just had a flair, a knack, and he, he, he was brilliant at the 100-meter sprint, and he got going to the Olympic Games in Paris in 1924 to run the 100 meters, but I'm sure, as you know, the 100 meters then was being run on a Sunday and he couldn't tally that with his faith, so he let that pass him by. But he took on the 400 meters, and he ran the 400 meters in an incredible time and and won the race. And he returned to Edinburgh, his home city, an absolute hero. But he could have stayed a hero and remained a hero and loved all the praise and the glory But God had called him. He had a call. He said, God made me for China. His heart was for China. So in 1925, he went off to China, and he worked with people. He became like one of the people, and he ministered to them. And he had a family, and his family were living with him for a number of years in China. Now, he started doing a little bit of running in China, but apparently it wasn't culturally acceptable. It wasn't the done thing for a man to be running through the streets. So we had to stop that. But then in 1928, he was invited, I think it was Japan, he was invited to an international 400-meter race, and he won that. And it was amazing because he had come from China and he had, he had done this race and the people, actually the spectators and the officials, they didn't know what he was doing because he didn't actually stop for his medal. He ran the 400 meters and as soon as he hit the tape, he kept running and he ran out of the stadium and he went up the street and he got into a taxi and the taxi took him to a boat. They didn't know that from the time of his race to the, to the time his boat was leaving was 15 minutes. So we just ran out of the stadium in the taxi down to the pier and the boat was leaving. It was just leaving. It was 15 feet off the pier and he just did a massive run and jumped onto the boat. So that was some, some story. But his heart was to be with the people in China. And from 1925, up to the breaking out, break of the World War II, uh, 1939, he was there working with the people, ministering to him, leading them to Christ. But then when the war broke out um, and China was invaded by Japan, oh, sorry, China was invaded by Japan, 
He sent his family home, but he stayed to serve the people of China. And he ended up in a prisoner of war camp. And he died in a prisoner of war camp about a month or two just before the war ended. But he shared his faith with anyone that was willing to listen. And he supported and cared for and helped anyone he possibly could in that situation. And I just thought to myself, you know, sometimes we find ourselves in situations in life and we feel that we've been given a raw deal and we're maybe going through a difficult period, but where we find ourselves now in life, God is able still to use us and for us to use the resources that he has given us in whatever situation we find ourselves. So he was a bit like a a live Paul or a modern day Paul in the prison working away. This is a very important part, this this part. Apparently, it was saying that every morning by the flickering light of a peanut oil lamp, early each morning, he studied the Bible and he talked to God for an hour every day. I'm sure in a place like a Japanese prisoner of war camp, it's hard to keep your faith fresh. It's hard to keep your relationship crisp and, and, and alive with God under such pressure. But that's how he did it. Every morning, an hour, he set aside with God. So, yeah. So it's so, awful. It's so important that we keep our relationship with Jesus fresh, that we guard that that we don't let it become a load of rules and regulations and doctrines, but it, it, that it is a living faith. So we're going to stand, we're going to sing Cornerstone, because that's who Christ is. Christ was a stone that pe- they, the Jews thought they'd throw him away and they'd do away with him, but he ended up actually being the cornerstone of the church and the hope of our lives, of eternal life. Okay, let's stand, let's sing Cornerstone.
<clears throat> Sunday club and Bible class um, are now free to leave the church and your offering will be received. Thank you. Father, we thank you for giving us your dear son, that he would walk the Via Dolorosa for each and every one of us, that he'd hang on the cross for each and every one of us. Lord, we thank you that he's risen from the dead and alive and well. And Lord, we pray we give these offerings to you, Lord, as a little token of our worship and our adoration and our praise to you. And we pray, God, that we would be good stewards of this money and that people would come to faith in Christ because of what we invest today. In Jesus' name, amen. Going to uh, pray now a little bit for, um, first of all, for those who are, are sick. I know over the summer we tend to, we can very easily lose contact with folk and, and not hear what's happening. Um, but just to let you know without mentioning names that there are folk in our congregation who are going through some uh, very difficult times. And uh, we want to remember them in prayer this morning. And uh, also we've got the kids club uh, coming up and then following that schism. So within these very buildings, the seed of the Word of God, many seeds are going to be sown, and we want you to be praying that it will go into the hearts of the children and begin to grow, and that it will have effect even on the parents uh, who are coming and bringing their children as well. This is important. This is very important, to be sown seeds for the next generation. Um, and then we'll finish with uh, the Lord's Prayer together. Okay, let's pray.
Father, when folk from our congregation, when folk from this body are missing, Lord, we miss them. Lord, we, we want to remember people who are struggling at the moment, people who are going through treatment at the moment, families who are worried and anxious for their loved ones. We want to think of those that maybe have received bad news in the last week. And we want you, Jesus, to be the cornerstone of this place, but the cornerstone of each of those people's lives, that they might know that Christ is before them and behind them, to the left and to the right, above them and within them, that they may know your strength. Sometimes, Father, when a person is ill during the summer, it feels like everyone else is enjoying themselves, going on holiday. And it can be difficult. But God, we pray that you would be their strength and that we would remember them in our own quiet times because they're precious to us. I pray, God, that you would give them strength, that you would guide doctors and nurses and surgeons and those folk that are needed, Father, who are in skilled professions. Give them wisdom. Give them guidance. We thank you for them. But Lord, we also want to pray for the children in this area. Father, when your son came here, they were probably crawling all over him. He just loved them. He blessed them. Lord, they were so important to him. And Lord, we pray, Father, for the children in this congregation and Lord, beyond into the community. And we pray that as they come to Kids Club, as they come to SISM, Lord, that their hearts may be like nice plowed fields, Lord, ready to receive your, the seed of your word. Lord, I pray that these words, Lord, may not just be the right words, but they might be anointed words where your spirit takes them and puts them in the hearts of the children, that they may start to germinate and bear fruit. And likewise for their parents, Lord, who it's difficult being a parent today. And some of them may feel that they're, they're a bit lost because it's so much responsibility. We pray, God, that, that you might touch their hearts and lives, that we might connect with them, that they might feel that this is a family that they can come to and find support in. So, Lord, we ask these things. And we thank you that you're a father who is loving and caring, who never turns a deaf ear to your children. And Father, we, we, we want to uh, come and say the prayer that your son taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
Let's stand and prepare our hearts within Christ alone. I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 7, Matthew 7, 24 uh, to 29, the wise and foolish builders, the parable of the wise and foolish builders. Verse 24, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. 
But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Father, we just ask you, Lord, to take your word and apply it by your Holy Spirit. And God, put that authority behind it, Lord, into our hearts. And God, may we be encouraged. May we be challenged. May we even be convicted. May we be um, inspired to get back to you again if we've lost that first love. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. You know, I, I know in our world today, many people claim that there, there are many ways to God. It's quite a popular belief. So if I was to say to you that Jesus is the only way to God, you might think I'm being rather narrow-minded. Then I might say to you, if the world's most renowned heart surgeon comes to you and tells you that you need surgery, would you take the surgeon's advice or ignore it? Or if your mechanic came to you and said, you need a new timing belt in your car and you need it soon, would you take the mechanic's advice or would you ignore it? And likewise, I apply the same logic to Jesus is saying where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. If Jesus is the unique Son of God, the one who created, sustains the universe, the one who came to earth as a man, who performed miracles, particularly rising himself from the dead, and if he did what, he, what was predicted hundreds of years earlier by the prophets, and seen and testified by thousands of people, I feel that Jesus Christ falls into that category of being able to tell me with incredible authority how I might enter the kingdom of God. He's the one I need to point me in that direction. And this is where it starts. This is where my help for life comes from. This is where your help for life truly starts, because when God created you, he did not create you to be alone. He did not create you to be dependent on, on him, or, or dependent on nobody else apart from yourself. He created you to be interdependent, to be connected with him, and that's how you were meant to function, dependent upon him. And Jesus, in that statement, tells us that he is the only way, that he is the truth, that he is the way to life, that he is the only way to connect you to the Father, to bring that purpose about where you are dependent upon him, and he's your Father. It brings to life that passage, he is my refuge, my present help in times of trouble. Now, Jesus, prior to this parable, he speaks about two roads. He speaks about a wide road, and he speaks uh, that people travel down, and he speaks about a narrow road. He says the wide road, people feel comfortable. 
There's so many people going down there in large, large numbers. They, they feel all these people can't be wrong. Or they feel, if I am wrong, I feel comfortably wrong. I feel secure with all those around me. They're doing the same thing that I'm doing. They're traveling the same road which I'm traveling. Therefore, I feel comfortable in this big road because we're all going in the same direction. But Jesus says, be careful because this massive motorway leads to spiritual destruction. And then he speaks of a small lane, a small road which could easily be rushed past. You could easily miss it. It's such a small lane. He's, he's telling us to look out and even search for this road because it leads to life. And he so wants you to have life and to have it in all abundance. So he's saying, watch out that you don't go down the big road and look out for the small road. You can easily miss it, but that's the road that's going to lead you to life. That's the road that's going to lead you back to my Father. So you see, here we have people sitting in the crowd listening, and they're probably, some of them are probably thinking, am I on the wide road or am I on the narrow road? But he continues then to question the number of people who are actually going to get into the kingdom of heaven. Because there seems to be this idea that everyone that's religious is going to be in the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus wants to set them straight. He says, you know, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Because it's easy to say, Lord, Lord. That's easy to say in a prayer. But Jesus goes on to say, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. So you know, now you have the religious people and they're sitting thinking, what category am I in? Um, is it just religious patter with me? Is it routine? Is it just going with the flow of religion? Or do I live my faith out? Do I obey the one I claim to follow? So now coming to the close of his Sermon on the Mount, he speaks of two foundations. He's speaking of two roads and then two foundations. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine puts them into practice. He'll be like a man who built his house on the rock. He then goes on, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Two foundations, rock and sand. And everyone that's listening to this parable knows where this story is going. We have two good-looking houses. From the ground up, can you tell which one is better than the other? Probably not. Both look good. And likewise, we have two men. Both have heard Jesus' teaching. Both have listened to his advice. And we don't know how that's going to affect their lives. But we will know by how we see them respond to his advice. We will know by seeing what the foundation was in their house that they created. So when the storms come and the rain's beating against the windows and the wind is pushing against the walls, the house built on the rock, it shows its strength. Nothing can blow this house down. And the man and his family are safe inside. Now, on the other hand, the man who built us a beautiful house, but rather than take the extra time to, to secure the foundation, he decided to just build it on sand. 
And when the rain beats against his windows and the wind pushes against his walls, the house comes tumbling down and the family, his family are swept away. And the only difference between the two men was obedience. One obeyed, one didn't. They both heard the same sermon. One obeyed and one didn't. They heard what Jesus had to say. One obeyed and one didn't. And if we're to live, if we're to build our lives on something secure, the essential ingredient Jesus is saying here is obedience. Not just to hear, but to obey. Jesus, earlier in his Sermon on the Mount, he, uh, he spoke the Beatitudes. It's well known. Blessed are the pure in spirit, for there's the kingdom of God, and so forth. Tremendous. Sometimes they're referred to as beautiful attitudes because they're describing the inner character of a child of God. They're describing Christ-like characteristics which are meant to touch others as we walk along our daily day. And now Jesus uses two metaphors to illustrate what he means. I'm calling them two ingredients. So we've got two roads, two foundations, two ingredients. There's something which already, if you're trusting Christ, there are two ingredients that are already in you because Christ's presence is in you. Salt and light. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. You know, I, I must admit, I, I, I love Delaine's mum's vegetable soup. I love this. Um, it was the way I thought it should be made, uh, plenty of barley, loads of peas, and uh, letting it brew for a while, you know, till it gets really thick, like into a thick broth. I love it like that. Um, Aline makes nice soup too, I better say that or might not get my dinner. But, <laughs> but I couldn't eat it without salt. You know, I know I have high blood pressure, but I'll take the risk. And uh, you need salt on vegetable soup. And I have uh, biblical proof for this, because Job, Job in chapter 6, verse 6, he says, can flavorless food be eaten without salt? So I just take that into my doctor and show him it. <laughs> so, uh, but Jesus here, when he talks about salt, he's talking about the taste. He's not, I know salt preserves. You know, I know salt has the quality of healing. But Jesus isn't thinking about that here. He's talking about the saltiness of it, the taste of it. You're the salt of the earth, he says. But if the salt loses its saltiness, it's no longer good for anything. We are to be a salty church. We are to be a salty people. We are to have a bit of a kick, a bite, an impact on those around us. And that means... And this is what God has been speaking to me about personally this week. That means nurturing and preserving our relationship with Christ. Nurturing our relationship with Christ, preserving our relationship with Christ, keeping it fresh. But you know also, I'm revealing all my weaknesses this morning, but you know I love sweet things. And... Uh, 
you really do, you know, <laughs> when you set out the tray bakes and the cakes and all, you know, you know that I'll be over. And one night, Elaine and I would decide to go and visit friends. Um, we were both very hungry, we hadn't had tea. So we went to Marks and Spencer's and we bought a whole load of stuff, goodies and even ice cream, a whole load of nice bakery stuff. And we thought, well, well, once we go for a cup of tea in our friend's house, they'll stick them out and we'll get to eat them. So <laughs> ulterior motives, yes, I'm guilty. <laughs> and, uh, and we arrived and they welcomed us in. Thanks very much. Oh, you shouldn't have. And we we're going, oh, you're welcome. It was no bother, you know. So the lady of the house then emptied these big Marks and Spencer's bags, stuck the stuff in their cupboards, and brought us out cheese and crackers. <laughs> I don't like cheese. It's even the smell of cheese makes me feel sick. And I don't like e eating dry crackers. And we have been given the life of Jesus Christ. We have been given his character in us, his very personhood in us. We need to make sure that we're given to others what Christ has given to us and not a dried up version. Therefore, guard your relationship with Jesus, nurture it, preserve it. The salt comes not from your own effort, it comes from his character. He adds the flavor. Didn't Christ himself change a tasteless water into wine? It was his first miracle ever. And he did the same with the disciples' faith. He took something which for them had become almost lifeless. It had become routine. It had become tasteless. And he transformed it into something worth getting out of bed in the morning for. Jesus was amongst his disciples, and he was worth living for. He's our salt, and it's in him that we find our flavor and he's our ingredient. And we're to be a salty church to give out to others what he has already given to us. We're to have a bit of a kick, a bite, an impact on those around us. Several years ago, Elaine, David, and I went to Krakow in Poland. I really recommend it really do. We had a lovely holiday in, in Krakow. And while we were there, we visited the salt mines. And apparently back in the days when the salt mines were being used by their employees, from young teenagers starting 13, 14 years of age uh, to old men, they were given their wages in salt because salt had such a value then. So at the end, on, the, on every Friday, at the end of the week, each man was allowed to take as much as he could carry in one hand of salt. So those with bigger hands got bigger wages, and those with smaller hands got smaller wages. When we receive Christ into our lives, we receive that life of his. We receive his character that is filled with kindness and love and patience and mercy and forgiveness, and joy, and his strength. May God forgive us 
if we portray a Christianity that looks dried up and unattractive. And that's what Jesus is warning his disciples here. He says, if the salt loses its saltiness, it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Guard your relationship with Jesus. He's the salt. He's the kick. He's the bite. He's the impact. I wasn't very good at chemistry at school, um, but I do know that salt is a stable compound. What that means basically is salt remains salt. It's pretty stable. But it can lose its saltiness if it's oversaturated with other substances. For example, going back to the soup, if you start putting too much barley in it, if you start putting too, an extra few pints of water in it, the salt will gradually break down and lose its taste. And Jesus is calling his disciples here to be salty, not to become diluted disciples with so many other things taking away the flavor of Christ in our lives, which so easily happens, doesn't it? When we become so busy in so many other things, which are important things, but they so easily can take away the time that we spend with Christ and the flavor, the impact of the salt in our lives. Guard your relationship with Jesus. He wants you to have this life of his and to have it in abundance, in a massive abundance, not just a fistful. And what's more, he wants you to pass it on to others. And it comes back to what we were looking at earlier about building our house on the rock. We look, we read the Word of God, we think about it. We're not just hearing it, though. We have to read it, understand it, and then we start to build our house by obeying what is in the Word of God. And God's Word, the written Word of God, it leads us to the living Word. And that's what this is all about. That's what the Bible, Old Testament, and New is all about. It's to lead us to Christ. And that's what it does. The written Word leads us to the living Word, who then gives us this life and this salt and this difference in our lives. Also, finally, light. The second ingredient. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. What he's saying here is there are to be no invisible Christians. Kent Hughes writes, we are not to hide ourselves from the world, but rather to permeate and penetrate the darkness of it. Are we to preach the gospel? Yes, we are. Are we to share our faith by using words? Yes, we are. But here Jesus is saying that it's through what we do it's the sermon we live that is hitting home to people. It's in what we do. That's where our light will shine or will fail to shine. Christianity is made most visible through good works. Jesus said, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The psalmist says, your word is a lamp unto my feet. Guide me, God. Your word guides me. Your words are a lamp to my feet, a light to my path, and it guides us to Jesus Christ and into a relationship with him to know the presence of Jesus in our 
lives. Not talking about it, just experiencing the presence of Jesus in our lives. In the hospital bed, in any, at the graveside, to experience Jesus in our lives. Emmanuel, God is with us. That happened not just that we might have a lovely doctrine of God being with us, but that God would be with us. The light within us which also shines then through us. I love that passage in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Our bodies are the jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God. That's the Holy Spirit within us, not to us. He said, we're afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. Why we're not crushed? Because Christ is with us. We're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. Why are we not despairing? Because Christ is with us. We're persecuted. We're beaten up. We're being tortured. We've had ribs broken but we're not forsaken because Christ never leaves us. We're not destroyed. Paul in Ephesians says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Guard your relationship with Jesus. Nurture your relationship with Jesus. Preserve your relationship with Jesus. So just finish with an illustration. I watched a film last week called Air. It's, it's a good film, um, it's a good watch. It's about Nike's fight to win over Michael Jordan and his family, to persuade Michael Jordan to wear a carefully crafted shoe, track shoe, or to go onto the court with it and promote it. And he's up against Adidas, he's up against Converse, and, but they want Michael Jordan to wear their shoe. And there's a wonderful line in the film spoken by his mother who's looking out for her son's welfare. She says to the Nike rep, she says, a shoe is just a shoe until my son steps in it. Now, Michael Jordan is one of the best, possibly the best basketball player ever. And the mother says, a shoe is just a shoe until my son steps in it. We are just broken jars. We're some of us older than others, some of us cracked, some of us chipped, all sorts of shapes. But when Christ steps into us, when he steps in and comes to be Savior and Lord in our lives, we become God's tools, we become God's vessels, we become God's handiwork for him to shine through in the world and glorify him by lighting up the direction that points straight to the sun. So I finish with a quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones. He once said, the glory of the gospel is that when the church is absolutely different from the world, she invariably attracts it. It is then that the world is made to listen to her message, though it may hate it 
at first. Let's pray. When Christians love others, the world tastes the salt and sees the light of the gospel. When we pray for and respect those in authority, the world tastes the salt and sees the light of the gospel. When we give generously to those in need, the world tastes the salt and sees the light of the gospel. When we control our anger, our lust, our lies, the world tastes the salt and sees the light of the gospel. When we trust God in trying economic times, the world tastes the salt and sees the light of the gospel. When we feed the hungry, clothe the naked, welcome the stranger, or visit the sick, the world tastes the salt and sees the light of the gospel. May we taste of Jesus. Father, may we taste of Jesus. And may he shine through us. Amen. I'm going to stand and finish our service with shine, Jesus, shine.
set our hearts on fire, Father, by your Holy Spirit. Be everything that we need this week, Lord. May we know your grace sufficient for us each day, each moment of the day. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.